Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. As always, I'm your host, Ted Harrington. And with me here today is our special guest, Chloe Mastagi. She's the principal and founder of Impactive Consulting. And she was one of our great speakers at IoT Village. Chloe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today, you are certainly someone who knows a thing or two about how to improve workplaces. This is certainly a hot topic right now as everyone's talking about whether we're going to be fully hybrid, fully remote, back to the office. But what's really interesting in that whole conversation is what even should a workplace be like? Everyone's been home in their pajamas for two years, and now we're starting to say, what do we want the workplace to be like? So let's start there. Let's maybe start with what the problem is. Is there a problem in workplaces in corporate America today? If so, what is the problem? And then let's talk about what we should do about it. Well, I think there's this situation unfolding where our employers are thinking that, oh, we'll just go back to how things were before the pandemic. But the problem is, is that employees are not going to forget what happened during the pandemic. So if we were successful while working at home, but now saying we have to be on site, it seems a little bit off. And so right now we're in a situation where employers want us to come back in the office and employees are like, no, I don't want to. And even if they are the silent ones, the ones that aren't complaining on the side, they're looking for another job. And this is where we are right now is that we're hearing so much about how employers are so excited to bring employees back in the office, but employees are questioning it, wondering why do I need to come in the office if we were okay? And then also employers are looking into hybrid models thinking, well, maybe this will be a good middle ground. However, a hybrid model, depending on what it's like, can actually cause even more harm in the end. So it's one of those things where we have to kind of talk with our employees and learn what works for them because we won't have a company if we don't have employees. So that's where we are right now is where employees now have a voice. It's becoming more of a, you know, an equal ground, if you could say that. And And we're right now entering a new phase where maybe our work life is going to change dramatically into having a more work and personal life balance. So it seems to me that implied in this problem is maybe a value judgment of working in a physical office. And if I'm reading between the tea leaves, reading between the lines, I mean, of sort of what you just said, it sounds like, hey, maybe most people don't want to work in an office but most employers do want people in an office. Why is that the case? Why is it that the average employee might not want to work in an office 
And why is that in opposition to an employer who does want people to work in an office? Well, because I think a lot of employees right now, especially in tech and security, we work more than 40 hours a week. And so how it used to be before the pandemic was that we would work in the office, then we would come home and still respond to Slack messages, to emails, to text messages, to calls, even when it was off hours. And on the weekends, we might get pinged. But the pandemic, what it showed us is that we need to readdress our life. We need to have more of that balance because we are completely beyond burnout now at this point in society. There was actually an article that came out a couple of weeks ago in on CNN about how we're now entering this new phase of complete depression society-wise because the burnout has not been treated. And this is what happens when we don't take burnout into serious consideration is that it develops into more serious situations. And depression is definitely on the rise. Anxiety has been on the rise too as well throughout the pandemic. And so it's one of those things that employers need to start understanding is that mental health matters. I understand that a lot of employers, they also have this this belief, seeing is believing. They don't believe their employees are working unless they can actually physically see them in a chair. But as we know, we always had those colleagues who would be watching YouTube videos while they're sitting in the chair. Even if they came in the first one in and the last one out, they were still having fun on Facebook. And so when we look at it, it's not really about how many hours we're in the chair or what they see. It's the work and our performance in the end. And that's what we're getting paid for. We're not getting paid by hour. We're getting paid on what we're providing. Yeah, I've personally always felt that as a leader myself, that it's, I, I don't care where you do your work, but I definitely care about the results you produce. And I've, I've always found that to be really interesting how it quickly segments the population because the ones who are performers they embrace that and they're like yes i'll, I'll work from a train like let's do it i want to i want to be in a van right now and then the ones who are trying to maybe skirt the rules a little bit they clearly are like uh-oh i now have to like appear like i'm you know being productive or whatever do you think that this perspective that leaders have of this like i need to see butts in seats or somehow i need to look over their shoulder in order to see that work gets done do you think that will eventually just take care of itself as younger employees become leaders or does something actively need to happen to change that mindset? I, that's a great question. I think it's an active mindset. At the end of the day, that is a form of micromanagement. And as we know, micromanagement can become something where employees start dealing with burnout. And then sometimes it can be so bad, it can create PTSD in employees. So when we have a micromanagement situation, we're creating a very unhealthy work culture. That means there's going to be politics, there's going to be sabotaging. That means there's going to be a lack of organization caring. And as we know, the number one cause for burnout is poor leadership. So leaders, we have to be good at mentoring cheering on our employees. We want to see them go beyond our own abilities. That's what's being a good boss. And if we cannot do that, then you shouldn't be in that chair. That's the reality. It's like there are people out there that aren't good leaders. And there are people that are really good at being leaders. And so we need to really see who is the good leader and have them lead because that means we'll have less people leaving the industry, leaving their job as well. Mm. Yeah, that's you're you're so right. Yeah, not all the progression isn't always get promoted, become a manager, become a leader. It's like, no, maybe you're just an amazing individual contributor and that's what you continue to do. 
you use the idea of PTSD being related to burnout and all these things. And I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, someone leaves a company, joins the next company, like I have PTSD because of this exact situation from my old company. I mean, it happens all the time, right? So how do we, uh, I guess, how do we, as we recognize that's happening, right? Uh, an employee might join a company. They might say it jokingly, but in that kind of joke, there's probably always a little bit of truth, if not a lot of truth. Once we recognize that, hey, maybe there was something that could be triggering to this um, uh, new new hire that we have, or maybe it's taken years to figure out that there was a trigger, what do we then do about it? Right. So the reality is, is that we all have triggers. Every single person has their own triggers. And it's important for us to all work on ourselves. You can't do too much for another person. You cannot tell them like, oh, this is what's going on with you. I think you need to do the following things. In reality, there's so we can only do a little bit at the end of the day. It's up to that person to go get help. But the thing about burnout becoming PTSD, that's a very common situation in tech and in security. If anything, this is the number one cause of a rotating door problem in our industries because we thought we had burnout. In reality, we have PTSD. And that's because we keep having exposure to a trauma or extreme stressor. And I want to reiterate, it could be an extreme stressor. So it doesn't have to be a particular event. It means that I went to one company and then I went to another company where I was micromanaged. Or I went to one company where I was basically having to work 80 hours a week. And I went to another company where I was having to work 80 hours a week. So an extreme stressor over prolonged time ends up into burnout. But the thing is that burnout and PTSD, they both have very similar symptoms. They also are responding with fear, hopelessness, and horror. They have sleep disturbances and sometimes nightmares. Then we get into depression or withdrawal. And then we have mood changes. We have generalized irritability. And then we tend to avoid activities that promote recall or traumatic event. So how this looks like is usually I would say in the first six months when you join a company, you have all this hope and then it leads to frustration, to anger, then to apathy, and then to burnout. And when we're in that burnout thing, that's when we start pulling away from people because we start seeing people, events as another task. When we're so overwhelmed, we cannot do more tasks. This is the thing that ends up becoming a situation where burnout can become even more important to diagnose and to really work with. Because that could take not oh, a couple of weeks, burnout can take months, sometimes years to get back. You mentioned earlier this idea that not everyone is necessarily suited to be a leader. And certainly one of the issues inherent in all of this is that leaders tend to set the tone for how a company should be. And that's why I believe that you were saying this problem won't solve itself as younger people move into leadership positions. We actually need to actively change behavior. So help me understand what we do about this situation. So people who are in, whether they're in the executive suite or they're in the leadership team or whatever, they typically do work exceptionally long hours, exceptionally hard. Not to say that other people don't, but they're the kind of people who, when they go on vacation, they're responding to emails, et cetera, which means they're also signaling to everyone else, hey, when you go on vacation, you should be responding to emails. So what winds up happening is that vacation is actually not restful or restorative for anybody. So you basically just have added stress because they're dealing with fires all the time. They're not getting the rest and recuperation and you're not even getting them fully doing everything that needs to be done. So it's kind of like worst case scenario. How, do, how does a good culture 
solve this? How do we make sure that vacation is actually used for, for being restored? Yeah, and you made some great points. I think one of the things is that when we take vacation, we have to keep our boundaries. That means our manager needs to have boundaries and respect our boundaries. So if I'm going on vacation, that means I'm disconnecting from work. I might have my apps open on my phone, but that doesn't mean that you should be contacting me. So the one thing I always tell people is that if you're going on vacation and you want to keep this person up to date when they return is to do by email, but make sure you tell your employee to not check their emails while they're on break, that this is just a place where they're going to send emails so then they can catch up when they get back. Um, it's really important that when we have you know, our vacation status on Slack, that that's taken seriously and that they're not going to be contacted instead of do it by email. Email should be the thing, the number one platform of communication when in or, or someone is out on vacation for them to not look at it. So that's the first thing. I think a lot of times I remember there was this one time I was traveling and my boss was contacting me when I was in Morocco and just like, I need you to respond to this. I need you to get online. I'm like, one, I'm in a really bad signal area. Second of all, it's like six in the morning over here and I'm on my first vacation in like five years. So the whole thing is when people are on vacation, respect they're on vacation. And that's the same when it comes to our boss is don't reach out to them when they're on vacation too. So it's a whole workplace culture is respecting people's time off and really, really reiterating, please don't check your Slack messages. Don't check your email. Don't do anything when you're on vacation. And I think that's the one thing we have to understand is that we need to have boundaries and we need to respect them. Okay, so let me ask you about boundaries. You've described that we should set and respect boundaries. And one of those boundaries has to do with Slack or if people don't use Slack, maybe it's Teams or some other messaging app. And one of the challenges is that someone might message someone that's on vacation and that person on vacation might receive a notification. So whose responsibility is that boundary? Because in a way, isn't it the person who's on vacation to say, I'm gonna turn off notifications, I'm gonna close the app, I might even delete the app. To me, it seems like that should be their responsibility, not their teammate's responsibility who's doing, who's continuing to do their daily job. But I heard you advocate the opposite. So I'm, I'm wondering which, who's, who's responsible here? I would say both parties are responsible. Uh, one is that, you know, if there are people that keep their messages turned on on Slack when they're on vacation, and that's something they need to practice. So all of us should be practicing boundaries. And when we have boundaries that we keep them in place, uh, the other person should be cognizant to see that the person's on vacation. But once in a while, we don't check, we don't see it. And that's okay. I mean, there's no one is pointing fingers at each other on this situation. It's clearly, it's a both boundary situation. That's why we need to re-communicate with the employee taking vacation. Don't look at your stuff. You're taking time off. Don't look at your stuff. But we also need to communicate in-house that when we see someone have on vacation logo next to their name, send it by email. And it has to be something where the organization agrees on, or at least the teams understand. It's got to be a company-wide policy. But once again, people will make mistakes and that's okay. We just have to make sure they don't do it again. Yeah, that makes sense. I've always felt like if someone wants to disconnect, they have to disconnect. They can't be like, I'm disconnected. So don't send me anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, <laughs> that's, you got to disconnect yourself because notifications are a really significant problem. I think, uh, you know, let's 
put aside vacation. Let's just talk about normal life, like no, your normal day-to-day life. The overwhelming amount of information and notifications that we receive, the problem as I see it is that that inbound, those inbound notifications, they, if you react to them, they dictate how you spend your day, which might not be how you should prioritize your day. So I guess two questions for you in the one question is, do you think that's a problem? And if so, what do we do about that? Yes, it triggers us <laughs> completely. Everyone is triggered by a, a notification at a certain level, right? We're either going to be triggered by Slack message dings or our Twitter dings. And for the past year, I've been looking into how do we do better mental health? And one of the things that I did was that I turned off all notification on social media and oh my God, your day changes. And then I realized I don't need to have any of my notifications on except for my calendar. And the reason for that is because I could get so engrossed in something, but I need to get that little alert to let me know, hey, you have a meeting in 10 minutes. That's the only notification I have turned on. Everything else is off. And I think it's a good practice because we might think, oh, I need to have my emails turned on. You're going to check it anyway. So, I mean, that's we have to also understand that we can't just expect everyone to kind of respect our boundaries. We also have to have boundaries of ourselves and make sure that we're able to do that. And yes, we're going to fail at times, but you know, practice is what is about, you know, getting there and starting a new routine. You might be the only person that I've met who does that as well. I I have I have just my calendar. I have text messages as well, but just those are the only two things that I get notified by. For the same reasons you're saying, it's like you're going to check your Slack, you're going to check your email, you're going to check social media. You don't need it to be like, "Hey, stop doing what you're doing and pay attention to me right now." <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that seems to be pretty cool and you alluded to this earlier in our conversation but one of the things that seems to be cool about the way that the pandemic and forcing us to work from home and realize like, hey, jobs can actually get done this way. We can still, we can, we can trust our people. It sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that employees are finding strength or a voice that maybe they felt they didn't have before to speak up about the way they want to live, live their life. I'm talking about, of course, in the workplace. So is that true? And is that a good thing? And if it's a good thing, how do we make sure more of it happens? So I'm going to give you a great example of this. So Portugal passed a law, and this law means that they're not allowed to communicate with their employees off hours, period. Wow, that's the law. Okay. They're not allowed to. It is, it is illegal to contact your employees during off hours. Not just that, but it's also illegal to spy on your employees. So sometimes companies, they put spyware on devices, computers, or tablets, or phones that you have with your employer. Guess what? They're not allowed to do that either. And France also has done that too, where you're not allowed to communicate with your employees during off hours. And so we're seeing this growing trend in other countries. Additionally, we're seeing in the UK is looking into creating a four week, I'm not four week, four day a week for work. Um, and so this is being tested out throughout Europe at the same time, where companies are now trying to do four day weeks. And in the US itself, There is a representative right now trying to get something passed to make our work week four days a week. The thing is about the pandemic, it really showed us that our life should not be about our work. Who we are is so attached to our our work. When someone comes up to you, it's like, who are you? You usually respond with, my name is this and I am this title at this company. And the thing is, is that we have to understand we have a life outside of work. 
And we need to find that balance all together. And this is going to take time for society. It's going to take time for all of us. But at the end of the day is we have to detach ourselves from our employer because our employer is not our identity. Our identity is who we are outside of work. And so this is a thing that we have to keep in mind. And I think the pandemic is really showcasing. We need to start putting ourselves first and start asking for things we want. Otherwise, it's gonna, we're going to pay for it. And we've already have realized how much we paid for it already. It seems to me that the employers who are going to win moving forward are the ones who can communicate to the, uh, the workforce that might, they might be trying to recruit that they are that kind of workplace where it's you know, work-life integration, we're going to respect boundaries, we're going to have build community, whatever. How do you think that a company can, once assuming they are those things and they're not like trying to be inauthentic, assuming they are those things, how do you communicate that to a prospective uh, em- employee who's obviously considering a few different companies, varying pay rates, varying titles, varying job responsibilities, and you want them to know, hey, here, you're going to get those things. How do we communicate that? I would say, first, don't ever ask the question, what is your desired salary without telling what that scale is? That is the first thing I would say. That's one. The second is to ask them, what is their preference, on-site, remote, or hybrid? And let them know, pay would not be any different depending on which one that they want. That's another one. I think uh, you have in Google employees right now that are really upset that they have to, if they don't come back into the office, they're going to lose 10K to even more of their salary. Like I know someone who's losing 50K of their salary because they decide they want to work remotely, even though they're staying within the Bay Area radius, but because they don't want to come back in the office. So the thing is, we have to understand is that we need to set an example. So when we're talking to you know potential employees, ask them what makes a good workplace for you. And then address that how the company is working on those issues or what is the company culture like? The other thing is we have to stop making it like, oh, we are a family here. This is, once again, not family, employer. And I think that's where we are now is starting to understand there are these bunch of red flags that very early on where now we're like, no, I don't think I need to work here. Yeah, family, while it has the right spirit and intent by it, it's definitely not true. You don't fire your brother. Uh, yeah. you, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> replace them when they leave the family. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not definitely not a family. Community is definitely a better word. That's one of the words we've we've keyed in on, on our uh, at our company is that we are a community and communities do have people come and go, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, new blood is always a good thing. And you're sad to leave. You're sad to see quality people leave. But um, I think community is the right vibe. Well, as our uh, time comes to a finish here, is there any last words, last piece of wisdom that you want to leave our audience with? Yeah, you know, be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. At the end of the day, you're, you cannot help another person unless you work on yourself first. I love it. Chloe, you've been awesome. Thank you for sharing all the time and insights and wisdom today. I think I personally learned a lot and I think everyone else will too. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Ted. For everyone who wants to know what she's up to or to request to appear yourself on the podcast, go to tedharrington.com backslash podcast and we'll catch you next time. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free.
Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. 